Hey everyone, welcome to Experience Ministries Discipleship Podcast. I'm Dave Smuin, your host, and I'm excited to share biblical principles to help us live our faith and glorify the Lord Jesus. This is episode 40. Are you hostile in mind toward God? Now, honestly, all of us were at one point, and some of us still are. I want to tell you a little story. When our kids were young, I woke up in the middle of the night one night and I was convinced that someone or something was in the house. So I jumped up out of bed, I grabbed something to use as a club, and I went through the house looking and searching from room to room. I started with the kids' rooms, make sure they're safe, make sure everything's well, and then I just progressed through the house. As I went, you know, from room to room, I could just feel and hear my heart beating in my ears. And, uh, you know, the tension grew as I moved forward and I got out into the living room and the rest of the house. Now, I was ready to fight to the death to protect my family. Have any of you been in that situation where you really feel like there's something hostile happening here and I need to be prepared to fight or oppose what's happening? In the end, there wasn't a person in the house. I ended up doing some spiritual warfare and praying through the house and things like that. But I'm very grateful that there wasn't a person that I had to have a physical conflict with in the house. If your greatest enemy or an adversary approached you, how would you respond? Would you respond by running up to them and giving them a big hug like they're your best friend? I really doubt it. Would you greet them with suspicion? Would you even speak with them? Now, I know some of you, you'd approach it like, I'm ready to fight. I'm ready to defend myself because there's going to be a conflict. Now, come on, let's be honest with each other for a minute. All of us have wanted to punch somebody out at least once in our lives. That's just part of being human, right? We have adversaries. We have people that we have conflict with, and we stand in opposition to them. Sometimes rightly, and sometimes we shouldn't, but we have those type of intense encounters in our lives. And I want you to think about that for a few minutes today. Do you have that person in your mind, that adversary, that person that you have conflict with? Maybe it was a friend who betrayed you. Maybe it was somebody that tried to hurt you or someone that you care about. If that person walked into the room where you're at, how would you respond? What would your response be? Would your heart beat faster? Would your mind start racing? Would you get angry? Would you start considering ways to oppose whatever that person did? Probably. Our first question in today's study is this. What does it mean to be alienated, enemies, or hostile in mind toward God? When we're hostile towards God, we naturally do things that are in conflict with Him and who He is. So we naturally do things that displease Him. We naturally do things that are opposed to God, to godly things, and to what He wants to do in our lives and the lives of people around us. Now, most of the time, this just happens naturally. We don't stop and think about how to oppose God, but because we're born with a sinful nature, we just do. Now, granted, there are some times and some people 
who deliberately think about ways to oppose God and the things of God. I've been there. I was one of those people before Jesus, and maybe you are as well. So most of the time, when we're in opposition to God, we don't really plan that out. It just is things that we do, natural behaviors because of the sinful nature, but we can deliberately oppose God's plan. Now, before we get too far into our topic today, let me read this passage for you. This is Colossians chapter 1, verses 21 through 23 in the NASB version. And although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. If indeed you continue in the faith, firmly established and steadfast, and not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven, of which I, Paul, was made a minister. It's important to remember that Paul is writing to believers. He's writing to the church in Colossae, and he is speaking directly to us. Or maybe I should say the Holy Spirit wants to speak directly to us through the Word of God, because that's what he does. So he's addressing believers. That's you and I, if we've accepted Jesus. Now, we know that because he says, you were formerly, which indicates that there is a transition from being hostile in nature and in hostile in mind toward God to being reconciled to being in relationship with God. And that's what happens when we accept Jesus and we choose to follow him. The reality is that all of us are born with a sinful nature. We're all born separated from God and in opposition to God, to who he is, to what he wants to do, to his holy standards. We're all born in that condition, but we don't have to stay there. That's the good news of the gospel. We can be transitioned from hostile or enemy toward God to being in relationship, a son, a daughter, a restored relationship with God. That is a powerful concept. You see, Romans 3.23 in the web version says that, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we have to recognize that that's where we start. But when we're believers, we move from that position of hostility towards God into a position of relationship with God. But for just a minute, let's consider what the scripture says about being hostile towards God. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 8 through 11 in the web version. No, but you yourselves do wrong and defraud, and that against your brothers. Or don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit God's kingdom? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor slanders, nor extortionists will inherit God's kingdom. Such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name 
of the Lord Jesus and in the Spirit of our God. Think about the variety of things that he identifies there that are in opposition to God. I mean, it's incredible. Sometimes we just think about these giant big sexual sins or murder or things like that, but really it comes down to anything that we do that is contrary to God's holy standard. So lying, cheating, stealing, all of that puts us in opposition to God. It's a mind that's hostile towards God. Now, check out this passage. This is Titus chapter 3, verses 3 through 6 in the web version. For we were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But when the kindness of our God, our Savior, and His love toward mankind appeared, not by works of righteousness which we did ourselves, but according to His mercy, He saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. Being hostile in mind includes things like being selfish, being uh, envious, doing things that are displeasing to God, lying, cheating, stealing, all of those type of things are in opposition to God. And again, most of the time that just comes so naturally to us because of the sinful nature that we don't stop and consider that we are actually being in opposition to our Creator. It just happens. And it's easy for us to justify those things and to downplay them as they're not serious, but they are. Because when we are living in opposition to God, it's really a mindset that we have. It's a condition. It's a way of thinking that is corrupt and that is problematic in every area of our lives. You see, when we are guided and controlled by the sinful nature, the selfish nature that we have, we find ourselves opposing God, opposing the things of God, so much so that we can't please God. It's impossible for someone in a sinful condition to please God. We have to be reconciled to God through Christ Jesus. So being hostile in mind towards God is a result of that sinful nature. And when we're in that, we simply cannot please Him. Listen to Romans chapter 8, verses 6 through 8. For the mind of the flesh is death, but the mind of the Spirit is life and peace, because the mind of the flesh is hostile towards God. For it is not subject to God's law, neither indeed can it be. Those who are in the flesh can't please God. When we accept Jesus and we choose to follow Him, we have to change our mindset. We have to allow our mind to be changed and get rid of those old thoughts, those old patterns, those old ways of doing things. Too many people, too many believers accept Jesus and they don't change their minds. They don't follow what Romans 12.2 talks about about being renewed in your mind, they stay in this position of wanting to follow the Lord, 
but not renewing their mind and not wholeheartedly following the Lord. And that's a disaster. People who get stuck in that position, or from time to time as we go through our life, we fall into that position and we stop growing. When that happens, we don't experience the love, the joy, the peace, the victory, the freedom that we have in Jesus. We're miserable. So here's what I want to say about this whole topic about being hostile in mind. We start out that way, but we can be transitioned so we're not hostile in mind. That's salvation. But when we take that step, we have to correct that negative thinking. We have to change our mindset. We have to learn a new way of thinking, a new way of doing things that pleases God. If we don't take that step, we get stuck halfway and we're miserable. So let me ask you point blank. Are you renewing your mind? Or are you somebody that wants to be a believer, that claims to be a believer, but you're not in the Word, you're not allowing the Word to transform you? That's a miserable place. I want to encourage you. Get into the Word. Study the Word. Move forward in the things of God and experience the love, joy, peace, and the great plans that He has for your life. If you're one of those people that's kind of stuck right there and you say, okay, I kind of see what you're saying. I, I claim to be a believer. I, I go to church sometimes, but I'm not really not living it. I'm not experiencing the love and the joy and the peace and all these wonderful things that you're talking about. I don't have freedom in my life. I don't have victory in my life. If you're that person and you want to know, how do I take the first step? Then I'm going to encourage you to study the word. Get with a group of believers and dig into God's Word because God's Word and God's Spirit will change our thinking. They will transform us into the person that God wants us to be, but not if we don't do our part. Our part is to seek God, to pursue Him, to study the Word, to be in fellowship and pray and allow that process of discipleship to really grow us and draw us closer to the Lord. As that happens, you'll notice that those thoughts begin to change. That negative thinking changes. Now, sometimes we have to go after something deliberately. And if that's the case, well, stick around. We'll talk about how to go after those things deliberately to change a negative mindset as we study through the scriptures together. Our second question for today is, have you truly been reconciled to God through Christ Jesus? Now, I can say, yes, I have, because I've followed the Scripture, I've done what the Scripture says, and my life, my behavior, my attitudes, my mindset display that I actually have followed the Lord, and the fruit of that in my life is evident. So, the Scripture tells us to search ourselves, to test ourselves, to see if we're in the faith. And so I want to give you two ways to test yourself today. These are really simple ways, but I want you to consider them really with an open mind and see if you pass the test. The first test is really simply this. Have you followed what the scripture says in Romans chapter 10 verses 9 and 10? I'm going to read it to you in the web version. And you just really, honestly, have you done this? That if you will confess with your mouth, 
that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. If you haven't taken that step of really believing in your heart and confessing Jesus is Lord, this is a great day to do it. You can correct your relationship with God by confessing your sins, by, by acknowledging that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, came and lived on this earth, died and was rose from the dead on the third day to pay the penalty of your sin. Accept Him as your Savior. Confess Him as Lord of your life. And that is the first step. The second test is this. Does your life truly reflect your beliefs? In other words, do you say you believe something and does that line up with what you actually do in your day-to-day -day life? Listen to James chapter 1 verses 21 and 22. It says this in the web version. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. If you're not living what you claim to believe, there's a problem. Seriously. I mean, I mean, I know that sometimes we stumble, we make mistakes, sometimes we sin as believers, but we repent. We get back up, we get back on track, we keep walking with the Lord. But one of the things I see in our culture is people say they're Christians, they say they have a relationship with God, but their life doesn't reflect it. If that's you, my friend, I'm going to be honest with you. There's a problem. And you need to go back to square one and say, wait a minute, am I going to follow Jesus or am I not going to follow Jesus? Because when we do follow him, our life, our behaviors, our words, our actions will reflect Jesus. Our third and final question for today is, why does Paul say, if you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and not moved away from the hope of the good news. There's a great theological debate in Christianity, and it comes up in passages like this. It's this. Are we eternally secure? Is our salvation secure, or can we lose it? Can we forfeit it in some way? And I don't want to downplay the importance of the eternal security debate and you know, the different positions on that. We can get into that at some point. It is an important discussion. It's an important topic. It, there are very strong opinions on both sides, and maybe someday we'll have that discussion here. But what I want to encourage us to really consider is that that could be a distraction from what Paul is really trying to get at in this passage. So let's take that eternal security debate set it aside for a minute, and let's focus on what is the real issue that Paul is getting at in this passage. And I would suggest that it's this. Are you continuing in the faith? Are you steadfast, unmovable in your faith, in your walk with the Lord Jesus? Because so many people, we start out good, we make forward progress, and then, 
I don't know what happens. We stumble, we fall, we get discouraged, we get overwhelmed, we get distracted. And next thing you know, we're not walking strong faith. We're not growing in faith. We're not maturing in our relationship with the Lord. We start struggling and things kind of get us sidetracked. That's what Paul is focused on. He is asking us and asking me, I mean, I'll apply it to me. Am I being steadfast? Am I continuing in the faith? Am I continuing to grow and live for the Lord? Or am I distracted? Have I become so caught up in the things of the world that I've lost my focus in my first love? The goal of our enemies, and by enemies what I mean is the demonic kingdom, Satan and his cohorts, and our sinful nature that tries to come back, and the world system around us. The goal of these enemies is to keep us from living our faith, to keep us from growing and maturing and being fruitful in the kingdom of God. Now, these enemies are just fine if you, then they may convince you, just intellectually believe it. That's fine, but just keep it in your, in your house. Keep it put on the shelf. Don't, don't take those beliefs and actually live them. That's what the enemy is afraid of. That's what the enemy is going to try to do to keep you from being fruitful in the kingdom of God. So we have to guard against things like distractions and discouragement because the enemy will try to distract us with the things of the world and keep us from being fruitful. I really want to encourage us today not to let the things of the world distract us. Let's not let them keep us from the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the goodness, the freedom that God has for us. Let's press into Him. Let's move forward in our faith and let's find ways to live our faith, to grow in relationship with God so that we can experience all that He has for us. As you think about and study through the passage today, I really want to just again highlight that we need to be focused on the things of God not on the things of the world, because the things of the world will keep us from living all the abundance that God has for us. When we're focused on Him, we're doing good works, we're doing the things that He wants us to do by living our faith, we're storing up treasures in heaven. And that's where you want your treasure to be, not here on earth. I mean, that's okay to have some stuff here on earth, but this isn't our home. This is not where we're going to spend eternity. When we're living our faith, we're storing up treasures in heaven, which will last for eternity. Our passage for next week is Colossians chapter 1, verses 24 and 25. And there are two questions that I want us to consider as we study these verses. The first one is this. What does Paul mean when he says, filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions? The second question is this. What is required of us to fulfill Christ's calling in our lives? Hey, God bless you. Thanks for joining today. I'll see you next week, and hopefully my co-host will be back with us.